1: Thank you so much for having me, my man.
0: Uh, thank you uh, for joining me today to come on and talk about your new project, uh, Neon Lights, which uh, premiered recently on digital Absolutely. and uh, on demand.
1: Absolutely. How does it feel, man? You've been waiting for a while for this movie to come out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we shot it during the um, the pandemic, obviously. I mean, we're still kind of in the midst of it. But during uh, yeah. the second wave, November 2020, um, obviously took quite some time to get it out. But nevertheless, it's now available on Apple uh, Prime TV, uh, Prime Video. It's available on anywhere you can rent and buy a film uh, throughout North America. And you know what? It, it's it's like the, a dream come true for any given kid. I had to write a screenplay to give myself an opportunity. now to see mm-hmm. that to come to uh, full fruition, um, it's nothing but excitement here on in, really. So I had the opportunity to watch it last night. I love, like, the twist and
0: the psychological thriller behind it. Like, how did you, like... Like, you know, some people, even you know, when they write things, like, you're not all there sometimes to come up with something like that. That's what they say. Like, how did you come up with this idea?
1: Like, you did know, something, what, buddy? did something it...
0: happen to you? And you're like, you know what? I have a great story to come out.
1: You know, uh, when it comes to neon lights, I had originally came up with the idea of the um, story. We're traveling through the state of New York. Uh, we had just left, uh, my, my two best friends and I We were driving through uh, the state of New York in this pickup truck. We stopped in this really small town, uh, upstate. Um, just to get gas.
0: Yeah.
1: Really eerie feeling, dude. Like every um light post had like a marine, a fallen soldier type thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this this place, like it's got like this spiritual vibe. We go to this carnival and I see all these neon lights. I kid you not, I wrote the first screenplay in the back of the pickup truck the rest wow. of the way home from you know that that little small town outside of New York City to Hamilton, Ontario, where we live. Um, fast forward about a year and a half later, the pandemic hits, obviously it's next to impossible to make a film, especially one with like a, a high, high level of magnitude with multiple locations, uh, mm. you know, plethora of cast, background, etc. I had met Rusebe at that time, and I had already laid out the groundwork for me on life as a psychological thriller, but Roosby being the intellect that he is, you want to implement mental health as a theme obviously childhood trauma as a theme, adding in his inspiration from Edgar Allan Poe and the twists and turns and the yeah. mental uh, cognitive, uh, you know, the cognitive aspect to it. So a lot of it is my experience, but I have to say if anybody's gonna be crazy in the writing department, it's definitely who is being the director. I'm a lot more sane. <laughs>
0: How long did it take you to put
1: everything together for the for the script? Uh, you know what? The, so once we, once Roosby and I started working on it, we go over the story. I, I really rewrote the script within a matter of days just because I already wow. had the foundation down. Okay. Um, to be honest, uh, even the, the, the film that's upcoming hundred lies, I wrote it in a couple of days. I'm I'm writing another uh, horror right now, um, that you, you all should see very soon. I, it doesn't take me long to write screenplays. It just takes okay. me months to come up with in my mind. It's right. like, I, I, I heard Aaron Sorkin say it once. Um, He'll come up with ideas, just eating popcorn and watching a movie laying on his couch. That's how I am. I, it takes me four months to put it together in my mind. But as soon as it gets to writing, it's about two, three days. So screenplays typically don't take me too long. It's just the process of coming with the story that takes me a little bit longer. Wow. So you wrote the
0: script. How did it like, all come together? How did you decide, okay, like I want to start filming this. I want to start casting. The budget. Everybody
1: needs yeah. a budget for this. Uh, you know, um, God, it, 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 was, it was so daunting. I mean... Let's put, it, let's put it this way. So it's the middle of the pandemic. Nobody wants to part way with funding, obviously. Right. Um, on top of that, studios are basically grounded. Uh, they are now a backlog of films. So nobody's taking on any more acquisitions either. Mm. On top of all of that, you have a first-time lead actor. Nobody ever wants to take that opportunity. And you know this. You, you've been interviewing for a very long time. So, you know, I really went to my business partner who uh kamar and i started red hill entertainment together we had already done a previous movie uh prior to neon lights called maternal releasing this halloween with uh, amy beth McNulty and colin Mm. fior um and i said to him i was like, look man uh, i got into this business because i want to be a performer i want to give myself an opportunity and as much as i love producing i really want to get in front of that camera give myself that shot i said look we got to figure out a way to get a budget that we can actually raise a sustainable, that we can sell and make some money on it. And I'm not going to lose my investors' money. So, really, it came down to just distilling a script that uh, adhered to the restrictions during the pandemic, adhered to the limitations on resources financially, also adhered to the, uh, you know, um, as far as landscape and infrastructure goes and shooting a geographical location that was safe and COVID friendly. So, From the inception of the original screenplay to, you know, the new one that we had rewritten July 2020, um, the first thing we needed was a big name, because if we didn't have the name, we weren't going to get funding. So I played kind of a gamut. I I went to the investors. I said, I got Kim Coates. I went to Kim Coates. team said, I got the money. They all know. So it's open. It's all, you know, public uh, knowledge now. So I played a little bit of a game and I took a risk and it just really worked out. And I had a really good team to help me get through it all wow
0: what do you hope for like when the viewers tune in to watch this movie like and what do, how do you explain to like friends and family what the movie is about what's
1: your spin on it oh gosh you know i it's it's funny because if i'm gonna be honest with you brother i feel like it's kind of changed and 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 transitioned that as like you know I, when you first finish the movie you say it's one thing then and people start watching you see their experience and you watch it too again yeah. and, and it changes as well but you know, I, I just like to say it's a psychological throw that's uh, really devoted to mental health and childhood trauma. And, and it's really neatly compacted by Bay and his team that has just beautiful visual cinematography and direction and obviously brilliant performance. Um, my, my hopes and dreams with it is to not just hopefully entertain and no matter where you land on the pitfalls of, you know, whether you love it or hate it or however it may be mm-hmm. for you. I hope that at the very least you got something out of it in the sense of the mental health and understanding that we all pretty much went through the same exact uh relative pains and journeys throughout the pandemic and so for me neon lights is a little bit more than a psychological thriller. i feel like it's an in- internal review of what it really felt like um locked between four walls during what we now know as a global pandemic era
0: was it always the plan to play clay
1: You know, uh, when I first wrote it, I figured we'd get somebody else. We'd get a lead, uh, somebody who's worthy of it at that juncture, um, and and I was going to play Benny. I I knew I could play Benny. It's like, I mean, like I I wrote the character for myself at that given time. Mm. We just couldn't get any performers. Nobody really wanted to travel at that specific time, of course, right? Who wants to get put into an airplane when you know we're not really sure what the pandemic is going to be like this is like at the height of it realistically right um on top of all of that the financial resource the budget um didn't really we couldn't have two major names so and as we know kim coats is kim Coates and he's not cheap so when when we had gotten kim and and at that moment i remember ruse and i were going back and forth and i said to ruse i'm like ruse i don't know if i can play the lead role ruse said to me if you're not the lead i'm not gonna direct this wow. and i remember kim had said to me Kim, myself, and Roos got on a preliminary call. Kim had looked me in the eyes on the Zoom, as, as you and I are here, and he said, are you the lead? And, and I didn't flutter. For the first time, I, for whatever reasons in my embodiment, I said, yeah. And he said, good, you should be. He's like, I can see it in you. He's like, okay, great, I'm in that. And at that moment, I said, all right, man, this is a tough role. Even my agent had said, this is a really tough role. Um, mm-hmm. So we just got to work. Three months out, we really started working on the character behaviors. I'll start speaking with a psychotherapist and just trying to figure out levels and plethora of mental uh, illnesses and and mm. what the behaviors would be like and the mental processes would be like and I really just shot for the stars hoping I land on the moon hopefully
0: right I land on the moon. How do you describe Clay and how and uh, any challenges playing
1: the character? Oh my goodness, Elias! I mean, God! Uh, I mean, firstly, let's just let's get this out of the way. I've never had a lead role ever. Right. Uh, to stack on top of that, I've never had a lead role with the dynamicism. Clay, somebody who's really suffering from mental health disorder, mm. who has a lot of childhood trauma that he's really working through and trying to work through, um, without giving a lot of the a lot of the plot away. Right. Somebody who's just really trying to find a sense of healing and peace with internally. Um, to be quite honest with you, I've suffered from depression pretty much my whole life. It's not. It's something that I've come to terms about in my mid twenties got off medication um, and started, uh, you know, meditating and then started, you know, taking a more spiritual route towards uh, the endeavors of trying to find peace within myself. I think we all suffer from chaos. Pain is relative. I think we all for the first time at the very, very least um, notice mental health and illness get proliferated through the pandemic because for the first ever time mm-hmm. we had to look into the mirror and ourselves and a whole reflection. And I think that is the embodiment of clay. Clay is somebody who really is you and I in in, in our deepest of chaoses. Clay is somebody that, you know, uh, at one juncture or another, we've all encountered within ourselves. And so um, the challenge of playing him was obviously, namely, learning to create a protocol of how to work as a performer, because I've never been there before. It's uncharted territory for myself. And then in combination to, of course, like the behavior that I had to develop is so different for me in, in many ways. Was there anything that you loved about Clay? Oh gosh, I the innocence, you know. I, I mean, for him, I, I playing a character was so such a heavy magnitude of um, you know, all these different emotions. Yeah. The one thing Ruse and I really boiled down to and really stuck with was how innocent he is emotionally, mentally, and, and hopefully one day spiritually. And uh, it's it's an innocence that I feel like I, I wish I even had at, at moments in my life somebody who who really just wants to be loved and that's really the the foundations of who he is as a person and so i think we all are the exact same human being and one thing i learned about people is we all actually just want love and that's just the foundation of who clay is
0: without giving too much away you know, there's like a a scene like where you your siblings and you are on the retreat you know yeah. and like that chemistry between you and the siblings it's like I don't want to use it tense. Like, what would you say would it be? Like, the.
1: Yeah, I mean, tense is. Yeah. Let's just say nuts. <laughs> I mean, nuts. Yeah. I, don't, I, mean how, I don't know if you have siblings or not. I, I have three sisters. I have a brother. Uh, yeah, I have, I have my mom, and, and, dude, we've had tense moments. Like, we're playing with that show. We're all kinds of emotions, man. So it's, yeah. it's pretty tense, but, you know. Uh, You know, I've heard so many different things uh, said about the, uh, you know, dynamics of the characters and and obviously, you know, the the familial nucleus. It's a foster family, obviously, right? So two brothers get adopted into a family from, you know, an individual that raises them. And in any given atmosphere, when you're thrust into an ecosystem where, you know, you come from a a, a traumatic experience, you're only going to experience tensions, And there's a reason for that. The reason for that socially is because you're in survival mode. And that is the, the you know, the gist of the relationship that they're in, right? Like yeah. they're in survival mode. Each and every one of them are trying to figure out what the other one wants and, and trying to achieve another goal or objective. And so it's most certainly tense. I think that's a perfect uh, description for it. And then slowly it unravels. But in the underlying of all all of that is, they all just want to be loved. They all want to be appreciated right. for who they are, no more or no less than the next person on that at that table. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's really the dynamic of the relationship.
0: You mentioned Kim Coates. I don't know, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but when I was when I watched the movie, like, he gave out like the creepy vibes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you, you must have watched Sons of Anarchy, right? Yeah, yeah, Tig, like, just when when okay, so Kim obviously. Um, in Canada, he's, 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 let's just put it this way. He's our God. Like, he, he's he's Canada's, like, star, you know? The guy, yeah. Sons of Anarchy, is such a hit show. Then on top of that, I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, which is about 45 minutes southwest of Toronto. Okay. It's uh, home of motorcycle clubs. It's, uh, you right. know, the one percenters. It's home of the Italian families. So he does Sons of Anarchy. Hit show grew grew up watching it. I still ride a motorcycle. I started because of the show. Mm. Um, then he does Bad Blood, which is on Netflix, and it's it's about the Italian families in Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, right? And um, he to us in our community is like a God. Like he's done all the roles that we basically grew up watching. Yeah. And so when I when we wrote this character, Ruse and I, the first person Ruse and I thought of was oh my God, it has to be Kim Coates. Let's see what he's doing. Because I literally watched him do an episode in Sons of Anarchy where um, Tig, they go into this, uh, you know, uh, sorry, is it a mortuary? It's a mortuary. And he's looking at a dead corpse, and he's just, like, talking about it in such a romantic way. But it was the creepiest thing in the entire world. It got my hair up on my arms, and I was like, that's Denver, man. And so you're absolutely right. It's just, that's Kim. He's just so good at getting those roles to that place, and it's just it's it's juicy it's very juicy what was his reaction when he read
0: the script what was the first few things he said to you do you remember okay
1: so he it's hilarious um he read it three times in succession because he didn't understand it the first time he got it a little bit better the second time the third time he calls us and he goes man this is nuts like so he the first thing he asked me he's like are you all right i was like yeah i'm good he's like how did you come up with something like this? Like, what's going on? Like, what's this about? Like, tell me more. Mm. he's like, you know, without giving too much of the plot away, asking so many questions about all the characters, like what's really happening? What's this and what's that? And we spent about 45 minutes, Ruse and I, he's uh, at this juncture in BC, British Columbia, uh, hanging out at his home, um, you know, taking a break from work, like a lot of people. Um, And this is, he, he just, you know, at that point, I'm just like, this is just one of the weirdest scripts I've ever read. It's challenging. It's it's yeah. you really have to pay attention to every detail, otherwise you're not going to understand the film at all. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's 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 mentally and it's it, it in a cerebral way a really difficult movie to grasp. But yet when you do, it's rewarding. And and that really that really excited me, man. Because to hear that from as I just explained, that he's somebody that I've really admired pretty much my whole life. And then once okay. I got into the film, somebody I've admired through that journey. Um, and then also giving the confidence to pursue it and to be confident enough that we were going to make a great film no matter how uh, difficult it was going to be. Mm.
0: Well, what was the reaction after your friends and family saw it? What,
1: what were they say to you? Oh, man, you know what? Okay, so uh, I'll give you a little bit of gist. My, my, we had two ma- major screenings during the world premiere. There were 625 people. Um, the second screening was friends and family and cast crew. Okay. And uh, my mom and my sister sat pretty up front. And I, they're, they mean the, the most important. They're, they're the most important aspect of my entire life. Right. My mom's a single mother. She raised us, raised us by herself, a foreign country, barely spoke English. Um, and how do you make a woman that's been able to do so much proud? That's a really difficult thing for me. And I think that's right. something I always aspire to. Um, and you know what, man? Like, they had tears. And it wasn't just because of the film, whether they loved the film or not, obviously, they were really proud of the film. It was to see the pursuit of one's dreams and passion try to overcome all the obstacles, try to get to that uh, level of uh, achievement. And when they they were proud, like they were very, very proud, and that really made made me, you know at that at that level, no matter how the world took it, no matter how it was going to be released, no matter what happened next, I, mm. I really had a level of confidence and self-satisfaction. I mean, as all of us, we have family and and the most important thing we can do is make them proud. So they love the movie, but they most certainly love what we were able to do during the pandemic, which a lot of people weren't able to. So we're really proud of that. That's awesome. Uh,
0: Now, one more time. How can the
1: listeners and the viewers that tune in this interview, how can they find the movie? Absolutely. They can check it out on Apple TV, Prime Video. You can watch it on VOD, anywhere you can rent or buy a film. Check out Neon Lights. Me, my boy, Kim Coates, and Brenna Coates, directed by Rizbeit Diary. Thank you so much, man. So, well, now, uh, before we end this, what
0: else do you have coming up that you can uh, give us a tease about?
1: Oh, dude, I got lots. Uh, Maternal, with uh, starring Amy Beth Mcnulty and Colin Fiors releasing later this fall. It's a horror as well about a girl who's being chased from by her mother, who's cross, you know, going between the afterlife and the uh, realities to get her daughter into the afterlife with her. Um, we also have a drama. It's a, a, a film that showcased the volatility of Toronto's music industry. I mean, you are the biggest hit stars in the world right now, right out of our hometown, Toronto, and nobody really knows how that happened. Why are we having so much success? And we just really want to showcase the difficulties that stars go through. And that stars Rob Rackle from Riverdale, Umber League, okay. Ginny in Georgia, uh, Brandon McKnight from the Flash, Steven Tracy okay. from Good Sam, myself, Michael Xavier from Northern Rescue, Eddie Murphy's son-in-law. Um... You know, that's coming out later this year as well. We're just finalizing the deals on distribution. And uh check out wait wait for the movie called Wife of Godson, a horror film about a family, Southeast Asian family that goes mm. to uh cottage country and they're being hunted down by a sacrificial community. So, so, no. thr- thriller, like no comedy. Maybe comedy's coming. You know up? what, bro? You might have to give you might have to hit me up. We might have to write one together. I wanna <laughs> write a comedy. I didn't even mean to get in a thriller, I'm a drama. guy. Right. I just wrote Neon, and then I wrote, uh, I, I, you know, I just kept writing thrillers. And you know what? I found my girlfriend likes watching thrillers. My sister's like watching thrillers. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep writing them. So that would can enjoy my
0: movies, you know? You'll be, you'll be writing that, that. One day, something's going to click in. and like, oh, my God, I have an idea for a comedy now.
1: Thriller comedy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dana, how can the listeners of viewers, find you on social media to keep up with you?
1: Absolutely, man. Uh, across Facebook and Instagram, it's uh, I am Dana Abraham. And uh, my website is www.iamdanaabraham.com. Dana, thank you for giving me a few minutes today, man. This was great. Pleasure's all, my brother. I hope to see you at the next, uh, when I come the next movie.
0: That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At The MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time.